Formula One returning to Zandvoort for the Dutch Grand Prix on Sunday, the home race of Max Verstappen. A capacity crowd is expected to cheer on the current world champion, and his dominance of the season is the top storyline in the sport right now. He heads to the Netherlands with a 93-point lead in the championship, and he is the defending champ of his home Grand Prix, winning last season in the first Dutch Grand Prix run since 1987. I'm Tony Desiri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. This is our Dutch Grand Prix preview. We're going to go over five things to watch for. We'll go over the circuit at Zandvoort. We'll go over the top five and bottom five from the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa. Before we get to all that, just a reminder, if you have been listening to this podcast and like what we're doing, please consider leaving us a five-star review. We really do appreciate it. It Helps us grow. Helps us with the algorithms. Also, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. If you're brand new, give us a listen or two. If you like what you hear, it's a little different than other Formula One podcasts. I kind of do it in a style of an American sports talk show host. If you like it, I hope you'll consider subscribing as well. You can hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio. That's where you can find me. I'm American sports talk show host for the Sports Map Radio Network and started this podcast a year ago. All right, so this is what I'm kind of conflicted with. I don't know what to root for for the rest of the season. What I like about Formula One is that it is a different format than other sports that we have here in the United States. And NASCAR used to be this way, where they would reward a champion for a long season of greatness rather than a short-term playoff. But NASCAR, seeing where the writing is written in American sports, decided to go to the playoff format. So now, just like everything else, it's sort of a get into the tournament and let's see what happens. Formula One does not do that at all. So the consistency of Max Verstappen and his dominance should be celebrated just like Lewis Hamilton. But every time you have a driver in Formula One that is dominating a season, it sort of harkens back to a time where we had drivers competing to the end. Abu Dhabi spoiled a lot of new race fans. If you're an American or anybody else around the world that just got into Formula One last season, probably thought this is one of the most exciting sporting events of the year as it went down to Abu Dhabi and the way that played out, positively or negatively, depending on how you look at it. Nevertheless, it was a show and it was a show every single race at the second half of the season. Well, that's not what we're going to get. Instead, we're, we're going to get what I've been calling a coronation here. Max Verstappen is going to, at some point, clinch this thing somewhere, very much like Lewis Hamilton did with a couple of his championship runs. But I got to admit something. I thought Ferrari would be in the mix when we got to Zandvoort or Monza or Austin down the schedule. I didn't think that Max and Red Bull would be so far ahead at this point. Now, we can point to a lot of Ferrari mistakes, you know, engine trouble, costing them leads, spin out for no reason, like in France, bad tire strategy, all of the things that have plagued Ferrari this season has sort of contributed to the fact that Max winning races is just sort of pulling away. But I honestly, at the beginning of the year, knowing that there was plenty of races left after Charles Leclerc had won two of the first three and Red Bull had two DNFs with Mac for Max Verstappen, I knew it was a long season. I'm not that naive. I'm not that ridiculous to think that Leclerc was going to run away with it. But I also thought if I was a betting guy at the time, I would have said, no, I think we'd have a fight. We have a really good situation here between two young drivers that seem on the track to be putting on a quite a good show. That's not where we're getting now. This is Max Verstappen's show, and we're all just watching it play out for the rest of the year. 
But when we get to Zandvoort, you're going to see a feeling of coronation. And that's the first thing of my five to watch out for for the Dutch Grand Prix. And that's the home race advantage. This was a Max Verstappen party last year. No question about it. Because it was the return of Formula One to the Netherlands since 1987. They had a 67% capacity. It still was an electric feeling the entire weekend. And then Max won the Grand Prix. So it made the weekend complete. Remember, they were supposed to get the Grand Prix in 2020 but then COVID kind of wrecked havoc with the schedule. A year ago, he was in the battle for the championship with Lewis Hamilton, and today he goes into the circuit as the undisputed king of the season, and no one is chasing the crown. The fans can now fill the weekend at 100% capacity, so if you're looking for a max crazy weekend, you're going to get it this weekend at Zandvoort for the Dutch Grand Prix. The second thing to watch out for this weekend is Mercedes versus Ferrari. Okay, Red Bull, they're cruising right now. They've got the top two drivers in the championship standings. They're crushing the constructors race. So who's going to finish second? It looks like Mercedes wasn't going to be in this conversation at all early in the season. They were having so much trouble with the car. Even though George Russell was putting in some good results, in the end, they looked like they were far, far from where Red Bull and Ferrari were. Ferrari has changed some things now. Right now, they lead the Silver Arrows by just 41 points for P2. And while they did increase that lead by 11 points after Spa, remember Hamilton DNF'd, Mercedes has made up a lot of ground in this race in the two races prior to the Belgian Grand Prix. And all of a sudden now, there's a real challenge. And it's not just the team. George Russell has finished in the top five in every race but one. You've probably heard that a million times. He's only one point behind Carlos Sainz and 16 points behind Charles Leclerc for third in the driver's standings. It's not been the season a championship team like Mercedes thought they would have, but you had difficulties with the car, and it was really never top, top level. They got a number of podiums, but even they would admit they're not set up to win races, even when even when having Hamilton and Russell behind the wheel. However, if they can leave 2022 with the second spot in the constructor's standings, it will say two things. They rallied from a... Gr- they rallied great from a slow start, and Ferrari wasn't strong enough to hold that lead. All right, the third thing to watch out for is qualifying Saturday. It is really tough to overtake in Zandvoort. Not impossible by any means, but it's so sweeping that overtaking opportunities are limited. Drivers love the track. They call it exciting, crazy, insane. I mean, you name it. It's a fun ride for sure. But qualifying on Saturday is going to be extremely important. I'll just give you an example. Look at last year's race. The grid for the start of the race was Verstappen, Hamilton, Botas, Gasly, and Leclerc. You know what? They finished... Verstappen, Hamilton, Botas, Gasly, and Leclerc. The top five finished top five where they started. Sergio Perez, he was able to get around some traffic going from P16 to P8. But for the most part, where you start is around where you finish if you finish at all. The fourth thing to watch out for this weekend, rumors and more rumors abound. What will the driver market story be like this weekend? Will we have a ruling on the Oscar Piastri situation between McLaren and Alpine? As of this recording, we do not. Uh, Once we do, it'll be on the next available podcast. I promise you, we'll go over all the details of that. Will more names pop up as replacements for Daniel Ricciardo and Fernando Alonso who are moving on from their teams next season? Ricciardo could end up at Alpine, formerly Renault, a team he drove for. Piastri could be contractually obligated to be Alpine's driver. 
Could Williams put American Logan Sargent in the seat that may be vacated by Nicholas Latifi? Right now, Sargent is third in the F2 points. He'll get an FP1 session in Austin at the U.S. Grand Prix. There are so many variables here that rumors are going to pop up. They'll be dismissed. They'll resurface, maybe dismissed again. But some of these rumors are going to come to fruition by the time we get to the end of the season. But look for more of this kind of stuff popping up. There's only so much you can write about as far as cars on the grid and where the season is heading. So look for a little bit more digging into where some of these teams may be going next season as far as their drivers go for 2023. The final thing to watch out for is Ferrari. What will they do? So I made a joke in my Belgian Grand Prix review that I don't know if it was a good one or not. I don't know, but it was still a joke that resides somewhat in truth. I said that speeding on pit lane was not on my Ferrari issues bingo card, but if it was on yours, please put a, please put a mark. Maybe it wasn't a good joke, but still think about it. Ferrari's always doing something and messing something up, whether it's small or large. They pitted Leclerc to get the fastest lap, ended up without the fastest lap, and they lost a place with a speeding penalty. Sometimes it's the driver. Sometimes it's the team. It's the whole group doing something that's head scratching. What will it be at Zanvoort? Maybe it'll be a perfect race and they'll win. Now, I doubt it because I think Max is going to take this in his home race. I'm a Ferrari fan. I've been a Ferrari fan for a long time. It's been a tough season to watch all of the good things that they did early. Bahrain to open up the season, even at Jeddah with a P2 for Leclerc, Australia where he dominated and won the Grand Slam. Just to see this all fall apart to a dominant Red Bull and seeing Ferrari in some ways contribute to that domination. All right, so those are the five things to watch for for the Dutch Grand Prix coming up this weekend. All right, so let's get to the circuit. Zandvoort is one heck of a track. 14 corners, medium speed corners, two DRS zones. It feels like it's always turning somewhere. That final turn leading into the front straight is where drivers can start DRS in the corner. This track is tricky enough with its banking and elevation. It's running along the flow of the sand dunes. So a roller coaster is often been used to describe going around this track, among other adjectives. Its first turn, known as Tarzan, that's banked at 18 degrees. It does have an old school feel. Drivers really like it. Many race there during their junior days. Of course, last season, if you if they were in Formula One, they raced the Dutch Grand Prix as it returned to the calendar after about 35 years off. The harder compound tires will be used this weekend. C1 for the hard, C2 for the medium, C3 for the softs. It's the fourth time this range of tires has been used this season with the last one coming at Silverstone and the race is going to be 72 laps. If you haven't seen the Dutch Grand Prix last year, it's going to be fun. It's Like I said, qualifying will be important, but man, this circuit's great. It's, it's, a, it's such a fun track to watch. Let's get to the top five and bottom five from the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa. We start with the bottom five. We'll move to the top five. And if you're new to this podcast, top five and bottom five can be anything. It will be drivers mostly, but I'll put in teams, team principals. I'll put in weather, the circuit, anything. But for the most part, it's mostly drivers. And number five is Nicholas Latifi. I normally don't punish drivers like Latifi. He's in the back of the pack all the time, and that's pretty much his consistent running. So I don't put him in the bottom five because he finished last. He always finishes around last. But the reason I put him on this list was his spin that took out Valtteri Bottas on Valtteri Bottas's birthday, no less, put him into the gravel, and that ended Valtteri's run. So Nicholas Latifi doesn't get in the bottom five much because there's really not a lot of expectations for him. He is on the bottom five this time at five. Number four... Haas. 
Now, I didn't put Haas a lot in the bottom five last year because Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher were both rookies and they were in an uncompetitive car. But this year has been kind of different. They have shown that they can be competitive. Both drivers, though, had a really bad day at Spa, finishing P16 and P17. Kevin Magnussen was running in the top 10 early, but the car didn't have any pace for the Grand Prix. There's been some good weekends for this team, no doubt about it, but this weekend was one of the worst. Schumacher got an engine upgrade. He started 19th, but the upgrade didn't make a difference. Both drivers said that their problems were just circuit-specific. Number three, McLaren. Staying with the win-as-a-team-lose-as-a-team philosophy, I'm putting both drivers in this category. Lando Norris finishing P12, and Daniel Ricciardo had to race to forget with a P15 finish. Number two, Charles Leclerc. Went for the fastest lap, and his speeding penalty cost him a P5 finish. He started P15 with an engine penalty. He had to pit early because there was a tear-off stuck in his brake duct, and that led to a sensor problem, and that caused his speeding in the pit lane. They gave up P5, and when they came back out on the track, Fernando Alonso was just ahead of him. So he had to fight through that to try to get past him, and that cost him even getting the fastest lap in the first place. It didn't matter because the speeding penalty and the five seconds that went with it put him at P6. So trying to get that one extra point cost him one spot in the finishing order. Number one, though, in the top five and bottom five, and he doesn't get here often, and that's Lewis Hamilton. Totally at fault for the contact with Fernando Alonso. He admitted it after the race. He came on the outside, shut the door, made contact, went airborne. He later parked his car at Blanchemont and was done for the day. It cost Mercedes points because they are pursuing Ferrari for P2 and the constructors. It was a good result for George Russell. Hamilton could have contributed that. They were up, up, up on the grid, especially with guys behind them taking engine upgrades. There was a possibility that they could have ran first if Verstappen wasn't so dominant, but in the end, Lewis Hamilton getting an early DNF on an accident that he caused is number one in the bottom five from the Belgian Grand Prix. All right, well, let's get to the top five. Number five. Sebastian Vettel. The retirement tour continuing at Zandvoort this weekend. Since he announced this is his final season in Formula One, he's finished in the top 10. Hungary was the 10th and Spa was 8th. So he announced it just before the Hungarian Grand Prix, before the break. And now he has back-to-back points finishes since announcing that this is his final year. He actually had the car in the top five at one point. He started in the top 10 with all the grid penalties to everyone else. He still made that hold up when the cars in the back started making their way to the front. Sebastian Vettel stayed in the top 10, so he is number five in the top five. Number four, Fernando Alonso. He survived the contact with Hamilton, had some choice words on the radio, but he was able to turn in a great starting spot into a P5. Now, he did get some help because Leclerc got the five seconds penalty, but it's a nice finish, really helping Alpine gain that 20-point lead over McLaren for P4 in the Constructors race. The P5 was tied for the best result for an Alpine driver this season. Number three, I like this one. Pierre Gasly, he finally gets some points. He's not been in the top 10 for the last five races, but he gets one here. He started from the pit lane after an engine problem, ended up with a nice P9 on the day. Strategy called for an early pit stop, which allowed him to gain some ground early, and then another early pit stop that got him to the end. These were solid, bold calls, and they paid off for Pierre Gasly. I like this one because I miss him when he's not running near the top. Pierre Gasly gets number three in my top five. 
Number two, I went back and forth on this one, but I decided to give it to Carlos Sainz. Could Sainz have won this from pole? Not really. I mean, after seeing what Verstappen put together, no, he could not. Red Bull was just super, super strong at Spa. So he wasn't going to beat Verstappen and he wasn't going to beat Perez. He gets best of the rest, though, finishing P3. He took his Ferrari as best as it could possibly go. Now, he still ended up 27 seconds behind Verstappen and nine seconds behind Sergio Perez. It's a messy year for Ferrari, but this is a podium finish for Carlos Sainz. And number one, do I even have to do this? It's Max Verstappen, best race of his career. He started way back, P14, and ended up being P13 when Gasly was on the pit lane. Didn't matter. He diced through the field, patient, worked his way through it, had the dominant car, and knew it. So the only thing he had to worry about was, do I get into some trouble here? Got a lot of cars going into La Source on the first turn. I better be careful. He was. Lacombe's coming off the Kimmel straight. Be careful. He was. Avoided some contact. Avoided potential accidents that were ahead of him that could have taken him out of the race. That's one of the problems when you start back there, especially when you have a car... That's dicing through the field, but he started picking off cars one by one, knowing he could do it. And he went from P14 on the grid to a, a 18 point victory over his teammate, Sergio Perez. He is so far ahead of Sergio Perez that it does make you go, what exactly is Perez driving? This is a dominant, dominant, dominant performance. It's going to go down as one of the best for Max Verstappen in his career. There's going to be many more wins, but a lot of them are going to be coming near the front of the grid. This one was spectacular. Again, where he started and how he finished. 18 seconds is a long time. I brought it up in the Belgian Grand Prix review. 18 seconds is a long time in motorsports, and that was his winning margin for Sunday at, at Spa. All right, as I mentioned earlier, the Oscar Piastri situation is being hammered out. At this moment, when I record this podcast, we have no decision yet. It could be a few, an hour or two after I upload this. Whenever that happens, please watch for the next podcast. No matter which one it is, a review or a preview, we will go over the details of what exactly is going to happen to Piastri, whether he'll drive for McLaren, whether he'll have to drive for Alpine. I know it's going to set a lot of dominoes in motion. That's kind of the way these things work. But anyway, enjoy the weekend, everybody, for the Dutch Grand Prix. If you're new to Formula One, watch out for the orange fog. It can get a little hazy out there, um, but especially on your TV. You may not see a lot when you're watching it. If you are from the Netherlands, and I know a number of you do listen to me from that country and you're going this weekend, enjoy it. This is a coronation you guys have been waiting for for a long time. And boy, do I... I can appreciate your love for your countrymen and I can appreciate your love for the world champion. So enjoy the party that is going to be happening at Zanvoort this weekend. Maybe we'll get an exciting race. Maybe we'll get another dominating Max Verstappen. No matter what, we will be here next week to review the Dutch Grand Prix in its entirety. Again, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And please, please leave us a five-star review because we really could use it. Again, the algorithms work that way. So we need to get this in front of as many people as possible. If you are a longtime listener, thank for your support. Important. If you're a new time listener, don't subscribe until you've listened to a number of episodes and you feel like this is something that you would enjoy as the Formula One season progresses. If you'd like to hit me up on Twitter, you can do so at Tony D Radio. If you'd like to email the show, Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. I'll answer as many of your questions as possible, especially if you're new to the sport. All right, we'll see you next week for our review of the Dutch Grand Prix. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast. <laughs>